You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Philippians chapter number four. I want to share with you about five verses of scripture today sprinkled throughout this chapter and give you the thought that God has laid upon my heart for today. Look with me here in Philippians chapter number four. If you're able to stand, I want you to stand with me. It just feels like it's a good day to wake everybody up. So let's stand up, stand up. Philippians chapter number four and verse number one. Look at what the Bible says. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown Watch the next phrase. So stand fast in the Lord. You see that phrase? In the Lord. Look at verse number two. I beseech Eodius and beseech Synthesee that they be of the same mind. Now look at this phrase. In the Lord. You see that? Look with me at verse number four. Rejoice. Now look at the next three words. In the Lord. Always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul has already mentioned it three times, that phrase, in the Lord. Now, there's another phrase I want you to notice in verse number seven. He said, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. Now, look at this phrase. Through, see what it says? Christ Jesus. All right, now look with me down at verse number 13. In verse number 10, he uses the phrase, in the Lord again. But look at verse 13. He said, I can do all things, now watch the phrase, through Christ. Do you see that? Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. One more verse, verse 19. He says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Now look at the three words. By Christ Jesus. Do you see what the the, the writer, the apostle Paul does in this chapter? All throughout this chapter, he emphasizes in the Lord, through the Lord, by the Lord. He's saying if you're going to make it in life, if you're going to do life the right kind of way as a Christian, you're going to have to face it, you're going to have to do it, you're going to have to live it in the Lord, by the Lord, and through the Lord. He's saying whatever the situation, whatever the need, whatever the circumstance, it's always in the Lord, by the Lord, and through the Lord. I was talking to my son this week. We were on a trip together, and he and I were talking, and I was asking him some Bible questions in the van. And for a minute, he actually participated and gave it some thought, and he'd answer David, and he'd answer Goliath, and he'd answer Jezebel. Not really, but anyway, he'd answer. But after a while, he quit paying attention, and everything I asked him, Jesus, 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 And honestly, that's a pretty good tactic if you answer a question, you've not been paying attention in Sunday school, Jesus is usually the answer. But I said that to him, I said, you think Jesus is the answer for everything. And as soon as I said it, God seemed to lay that on my heart to preach this morning. You know what? I think that's probably true. Jesus is the answer for everything. For a little while this morning, I want to preach on this thought. Jesus is still the answer. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your power to preach. I pray that you'd help me deliver this truth with liberty, with clarity. I pray you'd give us not just a service, but a special service where we meet with God. I pray you'd encourage our hearts about the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. 
You already know this, but we live in a day of purposed polarization. By that, I mean politics are polarizing. And I believe there's a purpose behind their polarization. It's amazing to say it, but sports are polarizing, aren't they? I feel like I'm watching CNN if I try to watch ESPN. But sports are polarizing. And I believe there's a purpose behind their polarization. Healthcare has become polarizing. At least in the last year or so, it's become polarizing when you think about vaccines and masks and things of that kind of, uh, of a nature. When something's polarizing, it means it's divisive. It means it's segregating. It means it evokes strong opinions and positions. When something's polarizing, it drives people to one of two sides. They'll either fall on this end or on that end. There's no neutrality when we talk about something that is polarizing. For example, we say the North Pole and the South Pole. They're totally opposite from one another. You think about oil and water. You've heard the phrase oil and water. They don't mix. Why? They're polarizing. It's kind of crazy to just sit back today and watch all the clannish activity that goes on in our country and through our culture in the area of polarization. We used to kind of gather under that big tent of patriotism that united all of us together as American citizens, but now that big tent of patriotism has been burned down by this new craze of polarization. Everybody's so divided. Everybody's so segregated. And it's not always been that way, I don't think. I don't think that politics have always been as polarizing as they are today. There used to be a day when folks would at least show respect for the person in the office, even if they didn't vote for the person that is in the office. But that's not so much so today. I don't think sports have always been this polarizing. I don't remember growing up and watching sports and seeing uh, athletes wear activist t-shirts as they warmed up. And I never saw anybody kneel for the, uh, the national anthem. That's sort of a new thing. And that's kind of polarizing. I don't remember healthcare being as polarizing as it is, but it definitely is in our day. There are many things that as of late have come into being polarizing. But today I want to make a statement that has not recently become polarizing. It has always been polarizing. But I want to announce it anyhow. I want to go ahead and declare it anyhow. I want to go ahead and serve notice on anybody with ears to hear anyhow that always it has been, it is today, and forever it shall be that Jesus is the answer. Even in 2021, Jesus is the answer. Even in California, Jesus is the answer. No matter the dilemma, no matter the situation, Jesus is the answer. Whatever the need is, Jesus is the answer. Whatever the problem is, Jesus is the answer. Whatever the question might be, Jesus is the answer. Now, it's sad that that's polarizing, but it is. That's more polarizing than sports, but it's still true. Jesus is the answer. That's more polarizing than healthcare, but it's true. Jesus is the answer. That's more polarizing even than politics to the world, but it's true that Jesus is the answer. There's no statement that divides like that statement, but we still have to declare it because it is true. Jesus is the answer. Now today, you won't stay neutral on that statement. You'll either have to say amen or no way. But regardless of how you respond to that, it's still true. Jesus is the answer. That statement is polarizing. And it's polarizing because of the person or the subject of the statement. That statement does not leave room for neutrality. 
I think about the poem. It says, what will I do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be for one day. You'll be asking, what will he do with me? And that name polarizes. There's only one name that's known all around this world. There's only one name that's echoed in the darkest corners of the jungle. There's only one name that's resonated in the rotundas of capitals. There's only one name that has brought down thrones and exalted those of low degree. There's only one name that can move a mountain and make a crooked man straight. There's only one name that has stirred the hatred of false religion and stirred the hearts of lost sinners. There's no name like it. There's only one name that's the subject of slander and the theme of song. There's only one name that causes the devil to tremble and the saint to shout. There's only one name that causes debate and also devotion. There's only one name that's the target of its enemies and the mark I'm pressing toward by faith. This world can put up with a lot of names, but it can't put up with that name. The world can put up with a moment of silence, but it doesn't like prayer in that name. And can I say sports might be polarizing and healthcare might be polarizing, but there's no polarizing statement like this statement, Jesus is the answer. Modern ears might not like it. Skeptics might sneer at it, but it doesn't change the truth that for every situation in life, no matter what it is, you propose your question, I'll deliver your answer. Jesus is the answer. Life might give you a thousand different questions every single day. But you can meet every question that life will bring to you with the same thing. Jesus is the answer. If you're seeking, he's your answer. If you're scared, he is your answer. If you need wisdom, he is your answer. If you're here today, he is your answer. I don't have to know your need. I don't have to know your specific situation. I just have to know your answer. And I found it here in the book. Your answer won't be bought on a back alley. Your answer won't be counseled for on a couch. Your answer won't be found in a prescription. Your answer won't be found in a relationship. The answer is always found in the same place for the child of God. Where's the answer found? Jesus is the answer. There is no person who's ever walked the round of this earth like Jesus. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is heaven come down to the world. Jesus is deity veiled in dust. Jesus is God in human form. In Jesus, I promise you today, you'll find everything you need and so much more. If you need a way through life, Jesus said, I am the way. If you need, if you need uh, to know uh, the truth, Jesus said, I am the truth. If you need a new lease on your existence, Jesus said, I am the life. If you're in darkness today, Jesus said, I'm the light. If you're in bondage today, Jesus is your liberator. If you're hurting today, Jesus is your healer. If you're burdened today, Jesus is your burden bearer. If you're lost today, Jesus is your savior. And if you're saved today, then Jesus ought to be your Lord. I think about the song that says, Jesus is all the world to me. He's all the me. He's everything to me. And for whatever you need, in life, no matter what it is, Jesus is the answer. For the rich, he's the answer. For the poor, he's the answer. For those that are popular, he's your answer. For those that are unknown, he's your answer. If you're sick today, he's your answer. If you're healthy today, he's your answer. If you're apathetic today, he's your answer. If you're zealous today, he's your answer. If you're fearful today, he's your answer. If you're bold today, then Jesus is your answer. In Philippians, Paul is pitting this letter. And Paul is pinning this letter being a man that's totally convinced of the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. His life had been changed by the Lord. Because of Jesus, Paul was saved. Because of Jesus, Paul served. 
Because of Jesus, Jesus, Paul could stand in the face of opposition. And Paul could say it in faith. I know whom I've believed and am persuaded that he is able. Paul declared in chapter 3, he was after Christ. He said, I want to win him. He's the mark that I'm pressing toward. And now Paul is writing from a Philippian or a Roman jail cell this letter to Philippi. And as he's in prison for preaching the gospel, he writes it from the confines of that prison cell. This letter of Philippians that shows us that no matter where you are in life, no matter your situation, if you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. Paul is giving us something not so much doctrinal, but it's very practical. He's giving us Christianity that you can live out or Christianity in shoe leather. Now in this last chapter, the emphasis is on the sufficiency of Jesus for every need that you might have in your life. If you study this chapter, you find it sprinkled in these 23 verses, phrases that draw our attention to the fact that we must have the Lord in everything that we face and in everything that we do. Paul is trying to leave the Philippians without any doubt in their mind that no matter what they have, whether they're poor or not, if the sun is shining or it's not, whether in bonds or free, if they have Jesus, then they have their answer. In verse number one, he writes it. He says, Stand fast in the Lord. In verse number two, he says it again. He says, in the Lord. In verse number four, he says it again, in the Lord. In verse number seven, again, he says, it's through Christ Jesus. In verse 13, he says it again, it's through Christ. In verse 19, he sums up and says, by Christ. It's like he's saying this, everything in your life, you're gonna have to do it in the Lord. Everything you face, you have to do it through the Lord. Everything that you weather, you'll weather by the Lord. The world doesn't have that. The world doesn't know anything about that, but we have something the world doesn't have in Jesus. That's why we don't have to run to a bottle. We don't have to run to a bag. We don't have to run to a dollar. We don't have to chase after this, that, and the other. We have Jesus and having him, we need no more in every area of life, in the Lord, for every dilemma, through the Lord, in every season, by the Lord. Jesus is the answer. No matter what it is, he's the answer. From a prison cell. Paul said, I tell you what you need in the Lord. I tell you what you need by the Lord. I tell you how you're going to make it through the Lord with a Roman guard breathing down his neck with shackles on his wrists and on his ankles as he pins this letter from a damp, dark dungeon of a prison cell. He said, I tell you how you're going to make it in the Christian life. It's not in the power of your flesh. It's by Christ and through Christ and in Christ alone. Now today, my concern is not with being polarizing. I want to be biblical. And though our world might scoff at that statement, it's still true. And I want you to understand today that Jesus is the answer. You'll exhaust yourself and you'll get frustrated and drive yourself crazy as you seek to find the answers to whatever it is in life out in this world. I guarantee you, every time you drop your bucket down into the well of this world, it's going to come up empty. You won't find your answer by voting at a ballot box. You won't find your answer on the shelf at Walmart. 
You won't find your answer at a therapist appointment. You won't find your answer, I said, prescribed at the physician's office. It'll always be found in Jesus Christ. Look for it in the world, if you will, but you're going to come back empty-handed. You can search for it in something temporal, but you're going to end in failure. But if only you'll look unto Jesus, if you'll turn your eyes upon him, I'll say you'll find your answer from Matthew to Revelation and all throughout the Bible. The Bible emphasizes that Jesus is the answer. We sing the song often here. He's all I need when I just need someone to talk to. He's all, always there to hear my prayer each time I call him. All my need he supplies. My thirsty soul he satisfies. He's Lord of all and he's all I need. Then we followed up with that little course. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. What's the song? Jesus is still the answer. Says some men tried so hard to prove that God's not really real. While others say they know for sure his love, you cannot feel. I like the phrase, but I know it's real. Within my soul, for one day he cleansed and made me whole. And Jesus is still the answer for that longing deep in your soul. And today I don't know you. I don't know all of your situations. I don't know where you stand in life. But I do know the answer for all of us today is found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. You study it out and you'll find his grace is sufficient. His love is what's called inseparable. His mercies are new every single morning. His ability is exceedingly above all that we can ask or think. And today, if you've come here empty, you can find filling in Jesus. If you've come with worry, you can find your settled heart in Jesus. If you've come unsaved, you can find salvation in Jesus. If you've come broken, you can be made whole in Jesus. If you're bitter, you can get sweetened up in Jesus. If you have sorrow, you'll find joy in Jesus. If you have doubts, you'll find faith in Jesus. If you're cold, you can have revival. If you'll go to Jesus, Nicodemus came to Jesus and found just what he needed. The Samaritan woman met with Jesus and found just what she needed. Needed. The manic of Gadara met with Jesus and found just what he needed. Jairus came to Jesus and his daughter got just what she needed. Jesus was the answer for Peter. Jesus was the answer for Zacchaeus. Jesus was the answer for Mary. Jesus was the answer for Martha. Jesus was the answer for the leper. Jesus was the answer for the lame man. Jesus was the answer for Paul. Jesus was the answer in Philippi. And Jesus is the answer in 2021. Whatever your need is, whatever your situation may be, you just Take your question to Jesus and responds, I am your answer. Jesus is the answer. Situations might change, but not Jesus. Questions might change, but not Jesus. Time might change, but not Jesus. Yesterday, today, forever, and always Jesus is the answer. In Christ. Now don't get too excited about this or anything. I'm just talking about Jesus. But in Christ, we have a love that can never be fathomed. In Christ, we have a life that can never die. In Christ, we have a righteousness that can never be tarnished. In Christ, we have a peace that can never be understood. In Christ, we have a rest that can never be disturbed. In Christ, we have a joy that can never be diminished. In Christ, we have a hope that will never be disappointed. In Christ, we have a glory that will never be clouded. We have a light that will never be darkened and a purity never defiled. In Christ, we have a beauty that will never be marred. We have a wisdom that will never be baffled and resourced that will never be exalted. Here's your answer. Christ for sickness. Christ for health. Christ for poverty. Christ for wealth. Christ for joy. Christ for sorrow. Christ today and Christ tomorrow. Christ my life and Christ my life. Christ for morning, noon, and night. Christ when all around gives way. Christ is my everlasting stay. Christ my rest and Christ my food. Christ above my highest good. Christ my well-beloved friend. Christ my place. 
pleasure without end. Christ my Savior, Christ my Lord, Christ my portion, Christ my God, Christ my shepherd, and I his sheep, Christ himself, my soul to keep, Christ my leader, Christ my peace, Christ hath wrought my soul's release, Christ my righteousness divine, Christ for me, and he is mine, Christ my wisdom, Christ my meat, Christ restores my wandering feet, Christ my advocate and my priest, Christ who never forgets the least, Christ my teacher, Christ my guide, Christ my rock, in Christ I hide, Christ the ever living bread, Christ his precious blood hath shed, Christ hath brought me nigh to God, Christ is the everlasting word, Christ my master, Christ my head, Christ who for my sins hath bled, a dollar cannot buy what you need, dope won't take the edge off of what you need, drink cannot quench what you need, fun will not brighten what you need, change won't alter what you need, Jesus is the answer for whatever you need, Daniel found him faithful in the lion's den, he sent fire down from heaven when Elijah called on him, and though Joseph was forsaken, he was rewarded with a throne, and when David felt his heart would break, he could sing this song, every need supplied, every moment satisfied, every time I call his name, then I find him just the same. If you've gone out on a limb, in your ways it may seem dim, don't give up and don't give in, casting all your care upon him. Today I want to serve notice on your heart. Jesus is the answer. Now as you study in Philippians 4, these five verses I emphasized, let me mention this and we'll go home. Number one, Jesus is still your answer for perseverance. Look at verse number one. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, look what it says, so stand fast in the Lord. Paul is telling folks not in prison to stand fast while he's in prison. He's in prison and he's not quitting. He's in prison and he's still rejoicing. He's in prison and he's still writing epistles, preaching sermons, praying prayers. What is he? He is steadfast. You ever wonder why it is so many Christians get so weak-kneed and soft backbone and they run the first time opposition comes? I tell you why. You cannot stand fast in the power of your flesh. The only way to stand fast and persevere when hard times come is to do it in the Lord. So many people come with complaints and here's the reason why. They focus on their complaints and don't focus enough on their Savior. They focus on the problem and not on the one who can get us through the problem. Here's the key. If you look at Jesus in the problem, you look at Jesus in the situation, you can persevere as you stand fast in the Lord. It's not been all that easy to stand fast in days like these if you get your eyes on your pocketbook and you get your eyes on politics and you get your eyes on people and you get your eyes on the culture and you get your eyes on whatever else. But i tell you what makes it easy. That, that was easy. The easy button for perseverance is Jesus. Jesus Christ. I'm glad he didn't quit on us. He didn't quit on me. He didn't quit on you. He went to Calvary and suffered and bled and died. And when I consider what he did for me on the cross, I can press on in Jesus' name. Paul wasn't a quitter. He was a continuer. Why? He was in the Lord. Number one, he's your answer for perseverance. I wouldn't quit that class or I wouldn't quit that bus route and I definitely wouldn't quit uh, that church and I wouldn't quit that marriage and I wouldn't quit that position, whatever it might be. I think I just get my eyes on the Lord and let him carry me through. He'll pilot you on. Number two, Jesus is not just the answer for perseverance. I like this one. Jesus is still the answer for praise. Look at verse four. Rejoice. Now look at the next three words. In the Lord. 
now look, always, and again, I say rejoice. Paul's writing again from a prison cell. That's even worse than a white folding chair out under from the tents in the middle here. Uh, that's even worse. Uh, he, he's writing from a prison cell. And Paul is writing to folks who get to sleep in their own bed, eat at their own table, kiss their wife or husband goodnight every night, and he's sitting there in a prison cell with rats chewing his toenails, eating food not fit for the dog to try. And as Paul sits in that prison cell, he says, here's what you all ought to be doing, rejoicing a little bit. Now, now they probably think, how could you rejoice? How can you rejoice when things are down? How can you rejoice when things are bad? How can you rejoice. Paul in a prison cell, and he said, I don't rejoice in my circumstance, but I can rejoice in my Christ. You see, here's what keeps your praise. Here's what keeps your worship. Here's what keeps your attitude of gratitude toward God. It's getting it off of what God does and putting it on who God is. And when you understand that God is good, regardless if you feel like it, regardless if you think so, he is worthy of our praise all way. That means all the time. There's too many pouting, I mean, pooch-lipped, pessimistic, dark cloud over their head Christians today. I don't understand it. I understand we go up and down, but you ought to be way more up than you are down because you're headed to heaven, a mansion on streets of gold, named than the book of life. Even in prison, Paul said, hallelujah. He said, amen. He said, glory to God. And we sit in a padded chair in a tent on a Sunday morning and can't get a grunt out of some people for God. Hey, I'd not be that way. It ought to be rejoicing the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He said, but I can't. That's because you're too focused on the job and not on Jesus. Too focused on sister or brother so-and-so and not on the Savior. You're too, you're too caught up in this world and not wrapped up in him. I can say amen for Jesus anytime because of who he is. He said, well, I'm not wired that way. Get saved and it'll change your wiring. I'm wired tight that way. Number one, Jesus is your answer for perseverance. Number two, he's your answer for praise. Number three, is your answer for peace. Look at verse number seven. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds, how though? Through Christ Jesus. He's saying the only well that shall draw peace out of is Jesus Christ. You won't find peace any other place. If you're unsettled today, having trouble sleeping at night, Biting your nails to the quick and getting ulcers in your stomach. I want to ask you something. Are you pillaring your head on the promise of his presence? Are you pillaring your head on the fact that he's saved and sufficient? I mean, are you pillaring your head on the fact that he's in control tonight or not? Because you have your focus on the Lord. In the Lord, there's peace that passes all understanding. The world offers you peace for a price. Jesus promised you peace for free. The drunkard thinks he finds peace in a bottle, but the bottle gets empty and then he loses his peace. The fornicator thinks there's peace or whatever in the relationship, but then that gets old and so they move on and there's no peace. The man who's after a dollar, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money, but the love of it. He chases a dollar and he gets to this level and then he has to go to the higher level and he finds himself never satisfied. Why? Because there's no peace in your bank account or in your assets. The only place you find honest peace to anchor your life in is in the person of Jesus Christ. The first funeral I ever preached was my grandmother's funeral. Desiree and I were driving, I think, to Pennsylvania. My, uh, I might have given this illustration here when we first moved here, but not for a long time. My, my grandpa was a Baptist preacher, independent Baptist preacher. I didn't know what that was. I got saved late in life, and we went to a more liberal church. All I knew was Papa was mean and against everything I did. 
He was, he was one of me. I just hadn't become this yet. But anyway, he'd go over there and he'd just ride us hard. Papa got dementia and my grandma got cancer. And so Desiree basically moved in with them and would take care of them. And I'd travel and preach. And uh, we were driving to a meeting. She was with me and my mom called me and said, we used the term mamaw and papaw. She said, mamaw is about ready to pass away. Her cancer <clears throat> had grown into her brain and it made her go blind. It killed the optic nerves in her head and she couldn't see anything. And hospice had come in and anyway, we turned around and came back. I remember pulling up to their house, a brick ranch house there on about 11 acres of land in West Virginia. I walked in the front door. You could just hear people getting shot in the house. And that's because Papa couldn't hear very well and he liked to watch the Western Channel. So you pull up in the driveway and you could hear cowboys and Indians going at it just in the driveway. Papa had dementia so he wouldn't remember. He just watched that episode last week and he'd watch it again like he'd never seen it before. He's so excited about it. We walked in the house there and Papa was sitting in his recliner and he never did call me Justin or anything like that after I started to preach. He just called me Preacher. And I walked in and Papa was sitting there and he said, Hey, Preacher. I said, Hey, Papa, how you doing? He said, I'm fine. And I said, Well, how's Mamma? He goes, Well, she's back there getting ready. He had no idea in his mind that she was about to pass away. He didn't know that. I said, Well, let me go check on her. And he said, I wish you would. So I went back down the hallway. I walked down the hallway and went to the room, the last room there on the uh, right, which was their bedroom. And my mom was in there and her sister and her brothers. And then my grandma was laying there in a hospice bed, just bone with skin on it, basically barely breathing. We just stood there and couldn't think of anything to say. We heard feet shuffling down the hallway. And if you've ever met anybody with dementia, you maybe have seen them. They walk kind of like shuffling. And Papa came in the room. I'd heard people say this, but I didn't know it was true until I watched it happen. God gave him his mind back for a minute when he came in that room. It was like he was a preacher again. He walked up. My grandma's birthday was this past week. If she'd still be here on earth, we'd have celebrated her birthday. She had her birthday in heaven. But he walked in the room, and she was laying there barely breathing. We were all around. And he took his hand. And I remember his hand was black on the back from his medication caused bruising, and it shook. And he reached down and took her hair that was probably white as my shirt and pushed it back off her forehead. He bent over and kissed her on the forehead and had tears down his cheeks. If she would lived one more week, they would have been married 60 years. He looked at her and said, Honey, you don't feel good, do you? And she didn't respond. And then he said something that I'll never forget. He looked at her body, basically, and said, Honey, it's okay. He said, If you want to go home without me, you can go home. Because I know if I don't see you in the morning, I'll meet you on the shores of glory. He looked across her body at me and said, Preacher, would you say something? And I didn't know what to say. So we all just started singing, There'll be no sorrow there. No more burdens to bear. No more sickness, no pain. No more parting over there. And as we sing, What a day that'll be when Jesus I shall see. Man, I got to see Jesus face to face. You know what we did in that room? We had some tears, but you know what else we had? Amens. Glory to God's. Everything's going to be all right. You know why? Because peace that passes all understanding walked in that place by the presence of God and made it through. How are you going to make it through this life? In Christ, through Christ, by Christ. He's your answer for perseverance. He's your answer for praise. He's your answer for peace. Verse number 13, He's your answer for power. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Lincoln and I went to a gym and he was trying to do pull-ups all hurry and close. And he was frustrated, hanging on that bar, just trying to do pull-ups. And I said, do one. He said, I, I, and he was just getting mad, wanted to quit. 
So then I went and lifted him up. And he said, see, Dad, I told you I could do pull-ups. He couldn't do pull-ups. But he could do pull-ups if Daddy got a hold of him and helped lift him up. That's the same thing in the Christian life. There's a lot that I cannot do on my own. But there's nothing I cannot do with the power of God. And we have the promise, Jesus is my answer for power. And last of all, He's our answer for provision. Look at verse number 19, we'll be through. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory. Now here's the phrase. By Christ Jesus. Everything that you need, not that you want, but everything that you need will be provided by God through Christ Jesus. If you need revival, you find it in Him. If you need correction, you find it in Him. If you have a health need, you find your answer in Him. If you're here today with a, 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 a financial need, humility, courage, vision, whatever it is, you find your answer in Him. I was driving down the road yesterday after we got done making a visit in the morning and I saw a man walking down the street over here on a, a Lafayette going this way. And as he staggered down the road with a brown bag and a bottle in it in his hand, it kind of broke my heart to think there's people like that. Obviously, they didn't have hardly any money. But what money he did have, he used it to get something like that, just to try to make it through another day. Can I say, you and I don't have to live that way because we know where the answer is. I found the answer. You say, who is it? What is it? Jesus is the answer. Today, if you're here and you're not saved, if you want to go to heaven, the answer is the same. Jesus is your answer. He died for your sins on the cross. There's no way you'll ever get to where God is without Jesus Christ. If you're dead and you're hurting, He's your only answer. If you have questions, need direction, He's your answer. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.